Labor Day. Labor Day weekend. The first weekend of September when my daughter came and found me and she said, Mom, let's decorate for Halloween. I was like, oh no, you need to wait for that. Absolutely not. You need to wait. We probably are going to wait at least till October 1st. And she said, really? After all I have been through this year? She said, after all I've been through, I just want to hang out some pumpkins and some witches. Can I decorate for Halloween? And I said, sure, why not? So my poor neighbors had to look at our Halloween decorations for two full months. The day after Halloween, November 1st, my sweet daughter came and found me and said, Mom, let's decorate for Christmas. And I said, oh, whoa, I draw the line. No, for that, you must wait. And I began to tell her all the wonderful reasons why you must wait. Apparently, Clara is not the only one, though, that was ready to decorate for Christmas on November 1st. This past Thanksgiving Thursday, our Atlanta newspaper, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the AGC, they ran a great article about people in Atlanta decorating early, as early as November 1st. In fact, they interviewed an Atlanta-based Christmas tree farmer, and the farmer said that as of mid-November, Christmas tree sales had gone up 150% from last year. By mid-November, 150% increase from last year. The article, the article kept talking about these beautiful stories of families putting up trees in November. And one family actually called it a thankful tree and they put pumpkins and orange lights on it just so they could be a step closer to Christmas. One woman talked about how she put videos of herself decorating her Christmas tree on TikTok and everybody went crazy on November 1st. Story after story, there were families and people whose children said, Mom, can I please decorate for Christmas? And the parents said, Ah, why not? We're used to retailers decorating earlier and earlier. But this year, it's people doing it. Most of Atlanta, probably most of Georgia, and most of our nation began to decorate earlier this year. And when someone asked why, the psychologist of the Mayo Clinic said this, something as simple as putting up Christmas lights actually can carry a lot of positive weight. The act of putting up Christmas lights actually carries a lot of positive weight. Well, unfortunately for you all, I'm sorry to say, my theological job here is to tell you to wait. You got to wait for it. I'm sorry. At school, that's what I was taught to do. That's what I was trained to do. Over and over again, seminary professors, my divinity school professors, over and over again said, whatever it is you do, you make the people of God wait during Advent. When they want to sing Christmas carols, you say, no, you can't sing those yet. 
When they want to wish you a Merry Christmas, you say, you mean Happy Advent, don't you? I had one professor say, no matter what, the perfect Christian is the one who waits till December 25th to hang a tree, say Merry Christmas, and sing those Christmas carols. Well, friends, I am not a perfect Christian this year because my entire house is decorated. And if it were up to me, I would totally Clark Griswold the exterior of my household. Yes, I love it. The other thing I'm supposed to tell you this year during Advent is to calm down. Slow yourselves down. These schedules you're keeping going back and forth to work, they're too much. Slow it down. I'm supposed to tell you that all those holiday gatherings where you stuff a hundred people in one person's living room or when you all take your business or your work crew out and you sit in that tiny little room for your Christmas lunch, I'm supposed to tell you, don't do that. Go home and calm down. I'm supposed to tell you to slow down and go home and remember the reason for the season. I don't know. Those words just don't feel the same to me this year. I think this year, this year more than ever, it's really the same every year, but this year too, this is a time where we cannot wait to experience that magic and that miracle moment on Christmas morning. And so if we want to sing Christmas carols, we're going to sing Christmas carols here. And if you want to say Merry Christmas, I'm going to say Merry Christmas back. And we're going to have this beautiful decorated chapel. But I'm going to ask you this, people of Advent. Wait with me with expectant and hopeful hearts. My name is Marion Brown. I'm the pastor here at Chapel Roswell. And welcome to Chapel Roswell's Christmas Staycation. And yes, obviously, this is a spoof on the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. If you have not seen this movie, it's kind of a classic. You totally should see it. But please watch the TV edited version and please screen it before you show your children. When the Chapel Roswell team and I were thinking about Advent, we just kind of thought, how much fun would it be if we added a little humor to the end of the year? And after all, we've kind of had a Clark Griswold kind of year, haven't we? I mean, we've all been stuck, oh, I mean living at home with family that we may or may not have invited or enjoyed. We all have Uncle Eddie's. We all thought it would be really cool to stay home and cook a lot. Now all of a sudden we're stress eating. And yeah, in the beginning we had plenty of sheets and plenty of towels and plenty of everything. But now the cleaning never stops. The children have taken over the homes. We've all been stuck in the attic, metaphorically or physically or literally, We've all done some home improvement project that looked like fixing the newel post. And yeah, 
The turkey may have been burned, and the Christmas tree may have caught on fire, and we may or may not be waiting on a Christmas bonus this year. All that's left is for somebody to yell, Squirrel! Watch the clip. so true because we're all just one step away from the squirrel scene aren't we I know my family has changed this year my family we've experienced death very close death our family tradition has changed and we haven't been able to do what we've wanted to do I don't know what you've been through, but I know it's been something because every year brings something. It happens to be that the pandemic, COVID-19, is the most talked about, it's the most visual, but I'm sure that there are other things in your life that have happened beyond that. And so, no, why in the world would I ask you to wait to experience Christ? Why would I want you to wait for that? I'm only asking you to spend these Four weeks of Advent, looking for hope in Scripture. And I'm going to sit right there in the pocket with you to do it. These next four weeks, our theological job is to search the Scriptures and search our hearts and search our lives for moments where we have seen hope. And our first scripture to help us do that, it's actually from the Gospel of Mark. And I'm reading chapter 13, selected verses. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. So beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. 
in the evening or at midnight or at the cock crow or at dawn. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. Keep awake for the Son of God will be coming down in the clouds. This scripture is actually known as the little apocalypse. Because, you know, nothing says Merry Christmas like a little apocalypse. It's like a big hug. It actually is. Apocalyptic literature was written for people going through a hard time. In particular, this Gospel of Mark was written, this little apocalypse was written during a time of war, of crisis, of famine, of tension, and of political upheaval. These things sound normal to us. I would suggest that for the first time in any of our lifetimes, we're able to hear these words almost as if the first century audience would have. And we know that it's apocalyptic literature because apocalyptic literature must have one thing. It must feel like the end of times, but it also must have vivid cosmic imagery. And so the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky only for the earth to shake. And the Son of God will descend on a cloud. What we should hear in this, the creation will only be moved by the activity of the creator. Creation will only be moved by the activity of the creator. God will withstand any human structure, any human building or whatever humans are going through. God will sustain and live through. And the hope in God is knowing that God's faithfulness will always be present during the rise and the fall of this world. So you and I, as the creation, we may be impacted by the events of this year, but we will only be moved by our creator God. It's only knowing God's hope that will save us. And so hope is knowing that God is good. And hope is knowing that God is faithful. And hope is knowing that God is going to show up. The Catholic Pope, Pope Francis, wrote a beautiful article that was released last week. And in it, the Pope wrote this. To come out of this crisis better, we have to recover the knowledge that as a people, we have a shared destination. The pandemic has reminded us 
that no one is saved alone. What ties us to one another is what we call solidarity. It is the call to embrace the reality that we are bound by bonds of reciprocity. And on that solid foundation, we can build a better, different human future. So keep alert. Given our political atmosphere, given the economic reports, given our mask, given our social distancing, it is so easy to be lulled to sleep. And it's so easy to be uninvolved. But the situation before us in this season of Advent, in this season of the year, it can be influenced by our divine response to it. And so I'm here to say, keep alert, stay awake so that you don't miss it. There's a great book, and the book is called Traveling Mercies, and the author is Anne Lamott. And in it, Anne describes a time in her life when she is in crisis. She can't control anything happening in her life, and so she turns to the church for hope. And so she begins going back to church week after week. And as she's going to church, she saw a family join, a couple. And the couple was Ken and his partner. And a few weeks after the couple joined, Ken's partner died of AIDS. And Ken kept coming back to church. And he was very verbal about his own impact of the disease and how it was hurting his own body. But it never stopped Ken from coming to church. Probably the same reason Anne was going to church. And the church grew to love Ken. Except for one particular group. There was one particular group in the church that did not like Ken's life. They didn't agree with him. And they were full of judgment. And they were just standoffish, really. And one of the women in that group, her name was Renola. And Renola sang in the choir. And it just so happened that where Renola stood in the choir, out of the corner of her eye, she could always see Ken. And so as Renola sang her good church hymns, she would always look out of the corner of her eye with judgment at Ken. Well, there was one particular Sunday where the whole congregation and the whole choir stood up to sing the song, His Eye is on the Sparrow. And as Renola stood up, out of the corner of her eye, she noticed Ken was the only one that could not stand. His body was too weak and too frail. And Renola began to sing these words. Why should I feel discouraged? 
Renola went over to Ken and she scooped him up just like a baby. And then Renola began to hold him as if it were her child. And together they sang these words. His eye is on the sparrow And I know he watches me People of Advent, stay alert, stay awake. And Lamont said that in that moment, it's what she'd been waiting for her whole season of her life, the birth of Christ. Don't miss it. Amen.
You may be seated as we have a time of prayer. Thank you. Beautiful. Be in a spirit of prayer with me. Gracious and holy Lord, we feel your presence in this chapel. We feel your presence wherever we are as we listen. We hear your words through a song and through a melody. And we are so grateful that you are wrapped around us. May we feel that embrace in these moments. And Lord, we try every day to give you our best. Not out of guilt, not out of fear, but out of expectant hearts of gratitude and faith. Lord, we know that we have your support in all of our times of need, and so may we always be there to help others. And Lord, we confess that if there are times this week where we've not done what you have needed us to do, forgive us and help us to call out next time. And Lord, may we be watchful for opportunities that you present to us to make a difference. Help us to be alert to your presence and value your life in all of the things that you put before us. And may you make us very mindful of the many pandemics around us, the ones that we see and the ones that we cannot see. Things like poverty and unemployment and hunger and thirst. Lord, may we be a part of an action plan so that we can clothe and shelter and feed and protect and to give care. And Lord, may we always do what is right. May we be that good, loving community that seeks to live together to build strength. And Lord, for all those who have lost a loved one this week or in the previous week, give comfort and care. And for those among us that are expecting life in new ways, may you give us the food we need and the strength we need and the courage we need. And Lord, be with every mother in whatever ways that mother came to be. And be with every father in whatever ways that father came to be a father. May you bless the home of everyone taking care of a child. And give us your guidance so that we may be available to help those who need, who feel lost or just need help. And enrich us so that the love we offer to others will be the love felt by you. Take us now. And may we re-enter into our lives and schedules in whatever way you see fit, whatever way we need to, so that we can be on the lookout for you, but also be the ambassadors for you as well. We ask all of this in the name of your son. Amen.
If you would like to give to Chapel Roswell, we'd like to give to the campus through Chapel Roswell, I'd invite you to look at the screen for ways to give. And I'd remind you that this is how we do ministry on campus. And especially as we end our year and begin to look at new programs and new ways to be a family of faith and a faith community, we ask that you give, um, not just with your giving and your finances, but also with your time uh, and volunteer and your service and your prayers. We want you to be a part of our campus um, the end of this year and in new ways next year. So we thank you for the ways that you are giving already to this campus. But again, if you'd like to know how to do that, just look on your screen for different ways to give.